Have you heard what's happening in Calgary, Canada? Home to some of the world's best researchers and innovators in life sciences, Calgary is advancing healthcare solutions to solve global challenges. Calgary's dedication to the life sciences sector is evident in its labs, hospitals, schools, and the minds of its people. With its top institutions producing internationally recognized research and more than 110 life science companies backed by a highly skilled pool of talent, the life sciences sector is accelerating innovation in Calgary. If you're a bright mind or a bright company, Calgary is just the place for you. Take a closer look at calgarylifesciences.com. Before we get started this week, I wanted to tell you about the digital library from Deep Dive. How much time does your team spend looking for research papers? Google, PubMed, social media. There's got to be a better way. You can now search a reference database of 100 million scientific papers and read the full text of 20 million articles, annotate them, and share with colleagues. It's the smarter way to do research. Here's the best part. If you're like me and been frustrated by not being able to access articles you find because they're behind a paywall, I've got good news. With Deep Dive, you get one-stop affordable research. If you're a listener of the BioReport, you can try the enterprise version of the service for free for one month. Go to deepdive.com forward slash podcast and enter the code BIOREPORT. That's deepdive, D-E-E-P-D-Y-V-E dot com forward slash podcast. And the code is BIOREPORT, one word, all caps. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. While cell therapies have been advancing rapidly, therapies that rely on taking a patient's own cells, altering them, and reinfusing them back into a patient are costly. Part of the reason why is that the process for doing this is labor intensive. Salino Biotech has developed a platform for producing personalized autologous cell therapies in an automated and scalable fashion. We spoke to Marina Madrid, co-founder and vice president of product for Salino, about the company's platform technology for cell-based therapies, how it works, and why it may help enable a new era of personalized regenerative therapies. Marina, thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. We're going to talk about Salino. It's automated platform technology for autologous stem cells and how this has the potential to create transformative and personalized regenerative therapies. There has long been excitement about the potential to use stem cells to regenerate the body and, and cure disease, but 
let's start with the grand vision. As we think about the future of medicine, what might be possible with regard to using a patient's own cells to develop treatments for progressive and degenerative diseases? Yeah, the huge potential here is for personalized regenerative cell therapies. Uh, Induced pluripotent stem cells are essentially stem cells that can be made from a patient's tissue sample. You can make induced pluripotent stem cells from blood, from a skin sample, from a hair follicle, even from cells found in urine. And these cells were discovered in 2007 Uh, There was a Nobel Prize awarded for this discovery. And the reason everyone was so excited was because induced pluripotent stem cells have the code within them to become, to differentiate into any cell type in the human body. And that's amazing because there are a huge number of degenerative diseases that occur because cells in your body misfunction or because cells in your body start to die and they're not replaced Age-related macular degeneration is a really good example of this. Um, It's one of the leading causes of vision loss, of blindness, because retinal cells in the back of your eye die and they're not replaced. Parkinson's, one of the well-known causes or symptoms of Parkinson's, is loss of dopaminergic neurons in the brain. Uh, There are a number of skin diseases like epidermolysis bullosa uh, that are essentially caused by genetic mutations, but what they result in is loss of skin tissue. And so for all of these degenerative diseases, you can imagine taking a sample from the patient, and that sample could be blood cells, skin cells, a urine sample, um, a hair follicle, using the cells in that sample to generate patient-specific induced pluripotent stem cells, and then using that to create a bank of regenerative cells, whether it's a Parkinson's patient that needs dopaminergic neurons or an epidermolysis bullosa patient that needs skin. And what's so nice about the fact that this product is personalized The fact that they came originally from the patient's own cells means that their body won't reject that cell therapy and that that patient won't need to be put under immunosuppression, uh, which does have negative side effects and and come with certain risks. And yeah, go go ahead. Well, we know how to reprogram cells and and turn them into specialized cells, but we're still a long way from realizing this vision What are the challenges in doing this? A big challenge is manufacturing. Uh, And this has always been a challenge in the cell therapy and gene therapy space. Cells are tricky. They're very complex. A lot of the manufacturing processes that folks use today, if you talk to a cell therapy developer, a lot of the processes they're using are manual. Um, So it involves just stem cell scientists the high level of expertise that is looking at cells during the reprogramming or differentiation process, deciding based on their own experience, whether these cells look good or not, and then making decisions about how to process those cells. So as you can imagine, like any process that's dependent on a very highly skilled operator, there is room for operator bias and variability to be introduced. It's a difficult process to scale. A lot of labs and groups have one star stem cell scientist that has magic hands. That person always produces the best cells. Everyone else's cells maybe don't pass the QC or release assays as often. But if you're dependent on one star stem cell scientist, that might work for in vitro assays where you're doing experiments in Petri dishes. It might work for in vivo level experiments but it's not going to work for clinical trials where you're having to treat hundreds of patients. It's not going to work for patient level production. 
for those situations, you really need a more scalable solution. Um, and that's where automation comes into play in terms of manufacturing. So as, as I understand it, as Celino was developing into a company, there was sort of an aha moment and, and a realization that the real need the industry had was finding a better way to remove low quality cells in a cell culture. What was the original vision for the technology and how did the company come to understand the need that the industry had? Oh, I love this question because, um, so a little bit of background, my, my background's in physics. I did my PhD in applied physics in a femtosecond laser lab at Harvard, where I co-invented a version of the original laser technology that Salino is based on. Um, but you know, at that point in time, as a physics major in a PhD program, your understanding of the industry is pretty limited. Your understanding of the industry is more or less, I read 20 publications, I understand the need based on those publications enough to write a few introductory paragraphs for this paper that I'm putting out. Uh, it's really not an in-depth understanding of the industry's needs. So at that point in time, what we thought, and I was working with Nabia Saklian, she's the CEO at Salino, we did our PhDs together. At that time, we thought, intracellular delivery was the killer application for this laser-based technology. So we had a laser-based technology, um, and that laser could be used to create bubbles. We can control the size of the bubble. So if we created very small bubbles and poked holes in the cell membrane at exactly the right laser energy, we could deliver cargos like CRISPR-Cas9 into cells. And we thought that was such an interesting application. It's definitely an interesting scientific problem. And then we decided to incorporate Salino um, and incorporating a company out of a PhD technology. I often say this, it's a little bit doing things backwards. The perfect way to start a company, if there is such a thing, would be to identify a problem, figure out the best solution for that problem, and then build a company around that solution. But when you're uh, developing a company based off of a platform technology that you developed during your PhD, you have a solution and you're trying to kind of work backwards to backfit it to the right problem. And the way that we did that, which I felt worked very well for us, um, as especially as physicists entering the biotech space, was to engage as deeply as possible with as many of the experts as we possibly could. So we engaged with everyone that we possibly could in the stem cell therapy space, the regenerative medicine space. And it was interesting because it was through those conversations that we realized that there's actually a need to just laser remove unwanted cells. Um, and so we had a couple of these conversations where the biologists were asking, well, you can use the laser to poke holes in cells. Can you use the laser to kill cells that I don't want? And the answer is yes. It's much easier to do that from a laser physics perspective, actually. It's a much simpler problem. You don't have to fine-tune the laser fluence as much as you need to for intracellular delivery. So not only is it, pos is it possible, it's actually a much easier application for the laser technology. Uh, so then we started to dig into, okay, of the different cell types, where should we start with this laser-removing bad cells? Because Apparently, purity and getting rid of unwanted cells is actually a very common problem in the cell therapy industry for a number of cell types. And we decided to focus first on induced pluripotent stem cells because they are a starting material for so many different cell therapies that are being developed. And so they represent a very important bottleneck in the development of stem cell-derived cell therapies. What's the opportunity for Selino? How, how does it see itself being able to address the challenges of turning these into commercial therapies? So our goal is really to 
enable the development and production of personalized cell therapies in an economically viable manner for the very first time. And if you look at the literature, the recorded costs of manufacturing for these induced pluripotent stem cell lines, when they were first being generated, it's gone down since then, but in the early days was on the order of $800,000, a million dollars per clinical grade patient specific IPSC line. And the cost of manufacturing have certainly gone down since then, but the prices of those patient-specific clinical-grade iPSC lines are still around that high hundreds of thousands of dollars mark. Um, and so what we're doing, we are automating this process. We're replacing all of the human visual decision-making with image-guided machine learning. We're replacing all of the physical manipulation of cells with laser-based manipulation of cells. But what's really nice about those two processes the image-guided machine learning and the laser manipulation of cells, these are optical processes, which are A, very amenable to automation, but B, compatible with closed cassette manufacturing. So we're actually designing a clinical-grade system that's based on a closed cassette. And what that would allow us to do is process many thousands of patient samples in the same facility without risking cross-contamination. And that's what really effectively brings down the costs of manufacturing, because when you're uh, manufacturing thousands of patient samples in parallel, you can bring down the fixed cost per cell therapy to the point where it's almost negligible. And then you're left with variable costs, which is mostly media, reagents, quality control assays. And so we're aiming to bring down the cost of generating these patient-specific stem cell lines and stem cell-derived cell therapies to on the order of tens of thousands of dollars. So that's our, that's our goal is to enable the industry by making this economically viable and scalable for the first time. You've got this mix of you've, as you've just outlined, of biology and physics and AI. But walk us through the platform, how it works, and, and how it changed the processes it's done today. Sure. So, at a high level, we start by imaging cells. And this is, um, we're focusing on the process of generating iPSCs right now. So, reprogramming, going from patient blood cells to iPSCs. But the platform, and this approach is actually relatively cell type and application agnostic. Uh, so we start by imaging cells in Brightfield. We then use image-guided machine learning algorithms that we've trained with image data and non-image type data uh, to characterize the cells that we've imaged in those Brightfield images. So we image cells, we characterize them, and then we use that characterization to decide which cells to target with the laser. Um, so in the case of iPSCs, we are training image-guided machine learning algorithms to say, this is a fully reprogrammed colony that is likely to perform well on all of the relevant QC assays versus these cells are spontaneously differentiating, or this is a colony that is a poor quality colony, not likely to perform well on the QC assays. And then we laser remove all but that one high quality colony. Um, so that's an example of how we're, how we're applying the technology to the iPSC reprogramming process, and it is a very multidisciplinary approach. I would say right now, our team, our technical team, which is most of what our company is, um, mostly a technical team, Nabiha and I are doing a lot of the external facing BD type work, and our backgrounds are also both technical. Uh, but our technical team that's doing the hands-on work, they're almost evenly split in thirds between stem cell biology, image, analysis, machine learning, machine learning, software engineering expertise, and the third bucket, laser physics, automation, hardware expertise. In terms of time or cost, is there any 
way to quantify the the benefits you're able to deliver versus the traditional way of doing this by hand? Yeah, in terms of cost, um, you know, bringing down the cost of manufacturing by at least an order of magnitude. So a decade ago, high hundreds of thousands of dollars to generate a patient-specific clinical-grade iPSE line. Now, probably in the low hundreds of thousands, but they're still being sold for high hundreds of thousands. Um, and we're expecting that we could bring down the cost of manufacturing these lines to on the order of tens of thousands. In terms of time, it's an interesting question because we are taking biological processes that are already developed and essentially putting them in an automated closed loop process. Um, so for some of these processes, like using episomal plasmids to reprogram to iPSCs or using a Sendai vector to reprogram iPSCs, there's nothing fundamentally that we're doing that would decrease the manufacturing timeline. But if we can develop our machine learning algorithms to be good enough at selecting the most promising clones, then we can get a better yield than what people typically see with the manual processes. So we won't have to run the process as many times to get the number of high quality doses that we need. And so in that sense, we could be affecting the timeline. What role does AI play in the process? What, what is your machine actually learning to do and do better? Yeah, that's interesting too, because it's really cell type and application dependent. Um, so in the case of iPSCs, part of the manual process involves a scientist looking at cells, deciding this colony looks good, I'm gonna save this colony, it's very round, or the edges are nice and well-defined, um, versus this colony looks bad, the edges are kind of funky, maybe it's a little bit misshapen, so I'm gonna get rid of that colony and just focus on the nice looking colony. Uh, for a very highly skilled stem cell scientist to do that process, you get about 18 to 20% yield, is what I hear from, from our partners in this space, that about 18 or 20% of the time, they do select a very high quality uh, iPSC colony that passes all of the QA, QC assays. So what we're hoping is that by introducing image-guided machine learning algorithms, we'll increase that yield. So instead of saying having a 20% chance of selecting the best clone, it'd be great to have an 80% chance of selecting the best clone because that improves our yield. That also brings down the cost of manufacturing and the way we train those machine learning algorithms is essentially with the type of data um, with objective measures of cell quality. So in the case of iPSCs, we feed our training algorithms bright field images. We feed them fluorescence images where we've stained the nucleus of each cell to mark the location of each cell. We've stained uh, different markers that are indicative of pluripotency. We can also feed it non-image type data. So there's a qPCR scorecard that's very well known in the iPSC space for assessing iPSC quality. Um, that is also data that can be encoded as a vector and fed into the machine learning algorithm. So really it's trained with any relevant QC assays that are objective measures of cell quality. And where are you in terms of developing the platform and commercializing it? Is it being used today in any capacity? Right now, we have an automated research and development system that's up and running uh, at the Engine in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And that's something that we are super excited to set up and have, have up and running. It's not based on the closed cassette design. It is based on a robotic system that takes 96 well plates and moves them from subsystem to subsystem. So moves the 96 well plates from the incubator to the liquid handler, to the imager, to the laser processing system, back to the incubator. Um, but in parallel to that, 
we are designing the clinical grade system, which is based on a closed cassette. But in the meantime, while the automated research and development system is up and running, we'll be using it mainly for two purposes. One is to take the large volumes of experimental data that we need to take to train the image-guided machine learning algorithms. For those algorithms, the more data, the better, um, the more likely you're able to get to an interesting result. But also we'll be using it to generate uh, research-grade doses of induced pluripotent stem cells to send to our partners who are developing iPSC-derived cell therapies. And as from a regulatory perspective, are there hurdles you'll need to go through with the system? Yeah, definitely. I mean, for the iPSC space, you know, the field is is growing. It's exploding in terms of growth, but it's a relatively new field. So there isn't a single iPSC-derived cell therapy product that's really crossed the finish line yet in terms of getting regulatory approval. Um, so the FDA doesn't yet have set in stone requirements for what an iPSC or an iPSC-derived cell product should look like. Uh, that being said, there's definitely... There's definitely a lot of activity in consortiums and in discussions among experts about what the relevant QC assays are for iPSEs or for certain iPSE-derived cells. So we are, we're implementing those QC assays at Salino. Um, and this is a, an interesting point that comes up because I think with the discussion of machine learning, there's always the question of, are you using machine learning to replace QC assays that the FDA wants to see? And the answer for us right now is not yet. We're using machine learning to make better in-process decisions to improve yield, um, but we're still doing all the same QC, QA assays as everyone else. But in the future, it would be very cool if some of these QA, QC assays that are expensive or burdensome or time-consuming could be replaced by more scalable machine learning image-based versions of, uh, of these quality control assays. And for our closed clinical grade system, definitely planning to build it in compliance with, with uh, regulatory expectations around manufacturing systems for GMP grade products. We, we talked about the technology from the perspective of its potential uh, for regenerative medicine, but there's another significant potential use here, which is in terms of precision medicine. How might this technology be harnessed to determine the, the best treatment for a, a given patient? Oh, yeah. So this is um, also an interesting application of induced pluripotent stem cells. So instead of generating GMP-grade iPSC-derived cells for cell therapy transplantation, you could also generate um, essentially mini drug discovery models. So you could take a patient's tissue sample, generate patient-specific iPSCs, generate research-grade patient-specific iPSC-derived cardiomyocytes to test cardiac drugs, um, or iPSC-derived hepatocytes to test the effects of certain drugs on the liver. So there's a, there's a possibility to do more precise analysis of drug discovery for different patients because the human population is very diverse um, and drugs affect different patients differently. So the more we can move towards a personalized model of drug discovery, the better. What's the, the business plan here? Are you envisioning being a, a service business? Are you thinking of developing your own products? Who's yeah. ultimately going to be the customer and, and how do you make money? Our customers are companies that are developing iPSC-derived cell therapies, uh, and the products that we're providing to them are, depending on what they want, 
either iPSCs or iPSC-derived cells. But they would be commercializing the cell therapy and bringing it to the market, and we would be doing the manufacturing in an automated way. In February, you raised $16 million in seed funding. How are you using that money, and how far is it going to take you? So that's also a great question. Um, essentially, we're using that to work towards building the first automated platform for generating patient-specific induced pluripotent stem cells in an automated way. Um, so expecting to have that product coming out in the next year or so. Um, that gives us a runway of a couple years. We're, you know, fundraising again, startup modes, always fundraising. Um, but yeah, very grateful to have that that fundraising in because it's going a long way towards de-risking all of the different aspects of the technology and putting all of the different pieces together. Marina Madrid, co-founder and vice president of product for Celino. Marina, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.